we start Podcast Pulsing Podcast today. Dude, we are we are in full what the hell mode. We right just now. had like an actual paranormal experience. And I would say oh, I see shit like that all the time, but nobody else is around, so I'm crazy. But we both just uh, experienced a paranormal episode. So uh, we heard we we record in this studio down yeah. in the basement, and we just heard like a noise that kind of sounded like somebody maybe opened the door and closed it. My hair is standing on end right now. It is ridiculously standing on so end. So we heard almost like a sound, like sort of like the door opened and closed kind of, or like somebody had stepped onto one of the stairs. From where I'm sitting, I have clear view of the stairs. It sounded like somebody was stepping downstairs. I saw a shoe. Now here's the thing. You're like, Maybe the door is open. No, my doors are all locked. My basement door is shut. It sounded like somebody put pressure on the wooden steps. Yeah. And I saw a it, shoe. It sounded like, and then it sounded like something like a uh, small pebble or like a BB rolled down the stairs. I'm freaked the fuck out right now. I'm not going to lie that. And there's, I saw, it looked like I saw a foot. I, I absolutely promise. There's no one here because we're the only Jim locks his house down like Fort Knox. Always. I mean, that's just his deal. But you lock like the the slider chain, the deadbolt. My the mom knob. taught me to lock the place up like Fort Knox. So there's no one in here. No, there and, is nobody here. But I love that we both got to see it because I'll be at my house and I will hear stuff like that all the time. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm crazy. Like I didn't, you know, I heard something, but it was nothing. But the fact that we both just experienced that was like the neck, my hair on the back of my neck right now is completely standing up. That freaked me out because it looks like I saw a fucking foot start walking down the stairs. Wow. Uh, that's certainly the <laughs> <laughs> that's your paranormal update. Courtesy of the pool scene podcast That is the weirdest uh, way to start this podcast ever. So I'm going to act like we didn't say any of that and just get right into it. All you right, well, everybody. All right, Kevin, go. You've Jesus. seen these movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! Thank you for finding the Pool Scene Podcast wherever it is that you listen. Or on this planet or another realm. Grab our hands. We will catch you. I'm Kevin. It's not something he likes to celebrate, but coming off a birthday is my co-host, Jim. Thank you. I am 39 years old now and looks like we were attacked by a ghost. I uh, hope all you pool sceners are doing great out there in the world. <laughs> I'm still stunned. Right yeah, this now. is super weird. Jim, a gift for not just you, but for me as well. We return to the Arnold Schwarzenegger catalog. This time talking about critical and commercial failure. Last Action Hero. Forget what they say, though, because I love this movie. This movie was way, way ahead of its time. Last Action Hero was released in 1993. Jim, tell us about the budget, the box office, and what was happening at the time of this movie's release. I'm trying to get my wits back together. Jesus. All right. So the budget of Last Action Hero released on the 18th of June, 1993. For our English fans over there, I did the day first, the month, and the year. A budget of $85 million, and it made $137 million at the box office. Right. Well, that, that was universal. That was universal. $137 million universal box office. For local people around here, you know, we're about an hour away from Cleveland. 
1993, specifically June, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame broke ground right there off the shores of Lake Erie by old Municipal Stadium, one of my favorite stadiums of all time. I miss the flowing rivers of piss coming out of the back room. Go Indians. Also, Prince celebrated his birthday, but unlike me, he decided to change his name to a symbol. We all remember the cross symbol with the the male insignia on it. Very, very amazing. John Wayne Bobbitt got his dick lopped off by his wife in June of 93. That was a big event because all men, depending on your age, and I can say at the time I was 11 years old, it still hurt me knowing that a crazy wife cut off her husband's penis. And this one kind of goes into the number one movie in America at the time when this movie came out was Jurassic Park. And there is a story behind this because this movie was shifted because they thought this was going to be the Jurassic Park killer movie. Who the hell would have thought that for two seconds? But that's what they thought. That's the way Love Goes by Janet Jackson was the number one song, according to the Billboard charts, in the week of June 18th, 1993. A nice little jam there by Janet, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. I'm having a hard time concentrating. I think I'm going like, to go upstairs and uh, go stole my wallet or something i saw i shit you not it looked like a blue shoe like a light sky blue shoe with a white outlining around the sole that's what i saw yeah i i need to have one of those ring cameras or something a ghost with a south pole jumpsuit god it wasn't as Uh, (laughs) glad it wasn't his beer because this is old beer so the overall loss for sony pictures from this film was 26 million dollars and some of that had to do with advertising this movie in space <laughs> where fast and furious is headed that's uh, right yes they literally attached a last action hero advertisement to a rocket and shot it into space now i don't know if the rocket was already headed for space and they're like hey let's throw arnold on the side or it was like they purchased a rocket with the intention of advertising in space now remember when nasa in the mid 70s sent out the voyager probe with the record on it to tell everybody if you're extraterrestrial, where we're from, what's happening here on Earth. Can you imagine if an alien species saw a movie poster with the name Arnold Schwarzenegger on it? <laughs> would they think that's our leader? I would only hope Schwarzenegger I, was our leader right now. I, you know, they, uh, if it was in sight of Venus, you heard of the news about Venus? Yeah, it's farting, isn't it? Yeah, there's uh, some phosphorus or and something. Just like Leo the Fart. Okay, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a weird one, I feel. Yeah. Uh, there are two bad taglines for this movie. One is the big ticket for 93, which I, I, ended up being Jurassic Park, but it, whatever. But it plays for the movie, the ticket and stuff. It's stupid. And the more commonly seen tagline was also bad. He's mean and he'll blast through your screen. How was Schwarzenegger mean? He's badass, not mean. He's mean. So the script of this movie was changed substantially. The original writers were very disappointed with what they landed on in the end, specifically the golden ticket thing. With that said, let me tell you what they they did land on and what the final plot was. This movie takes place in dirty New York City where there is rampant crime. 16-year-old Danny Madigan lives with his mom. Danny's father passed away and his coping mechanism or mechanisms was are... Was My Girl too. Are, <laughs> yes. Are the three Jack Slater action movies. Danny frequents a local theater owned by Nick 
who is also the projectionist. I'm pretty sure he sleeps there. He probably That's lives gotta there be his house. at the theater. He's a good soul. Nick is going to allow Danny a private screening of Slater 4 before its actual release. I don't know how he has it, but he does. As part of the gesture, he also gives Danny a golden ticket once owned by Harry Houdini. Very random. Harry Houdini is obviously probably the most famous magician ever, but he was an escape artist and he did physical magic, like getting out of chains and water tanks and stuff. And I think they could have attributed this magic ticket to someone else, even someone fictional. Yeah, it was a he waterproof said, ticket. Yes, he could have said this ticket belonged to the great whoever, you know, uh, Penn and Teller. Yes. Anyone just not, not who did whatever by magic ticket. I mean that during the early part of this movie, the ticket magically transports Danny inside the film. He enters the universe of Jack Slater. Slater brings Danny to the LAPD after a, a car chase scene where Danny has a lot of info on the people that they're looking for because he saw the beginning of the movie. Danny gets assigned as Slater's partner to investigate a mobster named Tony Vivaldi. Danny's able to point Slater to Vivaldi's house, again, because he saw it in the opening of Slater 4 before he was transported into the film. Here we meet Benedict. And you like that part because it's where Danny tells him, I can take you to his house. You know something? I think you should be wearing this. I don't think I've earned it yet. You don't understand. You just solved the entire case. You just revolutionized the entire history of police training. I mean, all these years at the academy, studying human character, psyche of the terrorist, fingerprint analysis, all the courses that I've taken in surveillance, hostage negotiation, in criminal psychology. I mean, all I had to do is just drive around the neighborhood and point my finger at the house and say, the bad guys ain't there. You think you're funny, don't you? I know I am. I'm the famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. Schwarzenegger. And he's like, revolutionized police work. You just point at a house and say, the bad guy's in I'll there. I'll never forget seeing that as an 11-year-old and laughing my ass off. It's one of the best lines in the movie. It's not my favorite line in the movie. So they go to the house of, I think it's Vivaldi's house. Yes, it is. And Vivaldi. Benedict's there. He answers the door. And Danny basically tells Benedict everything that he and Vivaldi are involved with. He had one of the bullseye when he was with his second cousin. He hates his boss. He calls him a Sicilian schmuck. And then they're forced to leave this house. However, Benedict is very curious how Danny had all this info. And he has Slater and Danny followed. And they go to, this is Slater's daughter's house. Whitney. Whitney. And this results in Benedict ending up with the magic ticket. And he learns its powers. Danny and Slater go to a funeral where they've learned that Vivaldi plans to release a deadly gas to take out a rival mob family. Before Danny and Slater can reach the funeral atop a skyscraper, the Hyatt, they are stopped by Practice. Practice is a cop. Practice makes perfect. We think, but he's actually working for Vivaldi. Whiskers, an animated cat, kills Practice. Let me pause to say that I hope some of our audience hasn't seen this movie and was following along fine until just now when I said that an animated cat killed a man. Well, you have to also remember Humphrey Bogart from Casablanca showed up in the squad room as well in yep. black and white. Yep. Danny and Slater save the day in a memorable scene. Because the plan fails, Benedict kills Vivaldi and then escapes into the real world by using the ticket. Danny and Slater follow into the real world, but Slater is fucked up by learning that his whole life is a lie. He exists in an imaginary universe where real world rules don't apply. 
He begins to feel a little better and more adjusted after spending a little time with Danny's mom, Irene. We also learn that the reason Benedict has jumped into the real world is to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger, who plays the role of Jack Slater. We've got a lot to say about this later. The second half of this show is going to be very weighted in logic because there is a ton of logic issues in this movie. Yeah. He enlists the help of a previous Jack Slater villain, the Ripper, to carry out the job. Slater and Danny go to the premiere of Slater 4. Slater saves Schwarzenegger and electrocutes the Ripper. Benedict shoots Slater, who is dying. Danny manages to disarm Benedict, and a dying Slater grabs the gun and shoots Benedict in his glass eye, which explodes. However, this causes the ticket to be lost. By lost, it falls off the building and floats through the wind and lands in front of a movie theater. The only way that Danny can save Slater's life is to return him to the fictional universe. The figure of death from the seventh seal comes out of the movie because the ticket that Benedict dropped off the building landed in front of a movie theater, and the ticket was so powerful that it summoned death out of the movie screen because the ticket was on the sidewalk. Played wonderfully by Sir Ian McKellen. Yes, so the figure of death from The Seventh Seal, which is an absolutely incredible movie and a huge recommend. But yeah, death escaped accidentally, I guess, and appears in front of them. Danny points a gun at death, who tells him to find the other ticket stub. He basically calls him dumb. Unfortunately, you're not very bright. If I were you... I might be looking for the other half of the ticket. And he says, I'm not here for your, your dude. He's not on my list, but you're not very smart. Just find the other ticket stub, which why would he know that? But neither here nor there. So Danny finds the other ticket stub, returns Slater back to the movie universe where he instantly heals. Danny returns home and Slater now has an appreciation for the differences in his universe from the real world. The end. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Wait, that's all? Get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's a lot. Let's get into the characters. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater and himself. Austin O'Brien as Danny Madigan. Charles Dance is wonderful as Benedict. Robert Prosky as Nick. Tom Noonan as the Ripper, who is the antagonist of Jack Slater 3 and also makes an appearance as himself. Frank McRae, which is an alumni of our podcast. Spanky from the Wizard, Spanky everybody. From the Wizard, yeah. Anthony Quinn as Tony Vivaldi. Bridget Wilson as Whitney Slater. F. Murray Abraham as John Practice. Who else do we have? Anybody else worth mentioning before we get into some of the cameos? No, I don't think so. I think the cameos are the ones that are going to stick out after this. Okay, so Franco Colombo's name appears during the opening credits of Jack Slater 4, which he's a bodybuilder that was recently passed away. Best friend of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Uh, Tina Turner's in there, and she's at the climax of Slater 3 as the mayor of Los Angeles. Sharon Stone and Robert Patrick outside the LAPD, T which they appear as Catherine Trammell from Basic Instinct and T-1000. There's a total recall poster that we see. Van Damme. Yeah, do you see Van Damme. You're a big action guy. I mean, what do you think about this? I will never miss the premiere for a second. We see Sylvester Stallone as the Terminator in a standee. The biggest cameo, Rick Dukeman. Oh, good, Tom. You got the props, too. That's terrific. Why don't you just whip a hibachi out from under your coat there, and we could make some shish kebabs for the critics. That'd be good. You're lucky I have a friend who rents tuxedos. Yeah. We see Rick Dukeman, Rick Dukeman everybody. Angie Everhart as a video store clerk. Quick, where are the Schwarzenegger films? Foreign films are in the back. No, action. This guy's an action star. Down the center on the left. 
And then we see Maria Shriver, Little Richard, Entertainment Tonight with Lisa uh, Gibbons. Yeah, Lisa Gibbons, Jim Belushi. What do you think Jack Slater says about America? Uh, Do we want to hear it? uh, I don't really want to hear it. I'm not really a big fan of Arnold's. uh... She is, you know. Arnold really turns around, and I just want to be there when it happens. That's all. Damon Wayans, Chevy Chase, which Chevy Chase doesn't even get a line. He's just pushed out of the way. Chris Connolly from MTV. Timothy Dalton. Uh, Wait, Timothy Dalton's in that? Yeah, he's in there somewhere. I missed uh, him. MC Hammer. Wilson Phillips is singing in the funeral, if you spot that. Yeah, Ian McKellen again. Danny DeVito is the voice of Whiskers, the <laughs> animated cat. So with all that said, a fairly large cast. Jim, who who does it for you in this movie? Besides Schwarzenegger, obviously. Yes. Because we all know I'm, I'm a big Schwarzenegger mark. It's got to be Chuck Dance. All right, it's got to be Charles Dance himself as Benedict. If God was a villain... He'd be me. He's such a great foil to Jack Slater. If we're looking at this movie in the pantheon of the Slater quadrilogy, quadrilogy, yeah, I think something like that in the fourth movie. I don't know what it is. But all we know is we hear in passing who was the bad guy in Slater 2. We don't know anything about Slater 1. But if I had to pick between Benedict and the Ripper, I got to take Benedict. Benedict was such a great English baddie. Like, I mean, he's the typical English baddie. He uses the glass eye. Apparently, every glass eye is an explosive glass eye. Yeah, that's a weird, weird thing because he gets, he uses it a bomb earlier in the movie. He leaves his eye behind and it's a bomb. And then at the end of the movie, when it gets shot, it explodes and that doesn't make any sense. But by far, he's the smartest person throughout the, the real the, world and the movie world. The character is. And, and Charles Dance, as an actor, gives a good performance. I will say it's Tom Noonan. And we've played this number before, haven't we, Jack? Now let's see what comes next. Uh, you throw the the the, uh, the gun away, right? Uh, we did that part, and uh, I think you tell me to let the kid go, and uh, eh, I'm getting bored. Why don't we just skip to the end? Tom Noonan, who's a character actor that plays a lot of horror stuff. But he's awesome as the Ripper. The Ripper gives this whole speech, and you see flashbacks. You see memory flashbacks from Slater. Because the Ripper killed his kid in Slater 3. Yep, at the end. And then you see, like, movie footage of it as well, because Danny knows it as Slater 3. So, but Tom Noonan gives this speech when he's brought by Charles Dance as Benedict, brings him out of Slater 3 into the real world, and then he... Basically, he throws Danny off the building, and he gives this whole speech. It's it's awesome. He's awesome in this movie, and probably didn't get any credit at all for how good he is on that rooftop. And I mentioned to you, possibly a movie we will cover in a later season, Tom Noonan, absolutely fantastic, in the Jay Leno movie vehicle, Collision Course. Yeah, we're going to do that one. And it only we came out to. on VHS, and I paid $30 at the time on eBay to get that movie. Well, just saying, look it. forward to it. Worth it. Yeah, I, I want to do that one. So let's move to best scenes. I'm going to keep mine short. I've got two. I don't know how many you have, but since we had a uh, an extracurricular at the top and we've got a lot I'm to talk to. I'm still freaked out by that. In logic and the pool check, I'm going to keep the best scenes short. And first, I'm going to say the movie premiere. Hi, I'm Harvey Orchard here, and we are live to you from New York. We're just moments away from the world premiere of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jack Slater 4. Here's the man they come to see, folks. There's no mistaking that car. Here they are, Arnold Schwarzenegger and his lovely wife, Maria Schreiber. 
The Slater 4 premiere is an awesome scene. It's the who's who's of Hollywood at the time. Yeah, it's it's shot like a, you know, you see all the celebrities piling in to go see Slater like 4. Like a man's Chinese theater, but in New York City. Yeah, but like before, as people are still like arriving, the Ripper is inside the theater and he tr- basically is going to throw an axe off the balcony at Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's the plan, is that they're going to kill not Jack Slater, they're going to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger, which we'll discuss. Oh, yes, we will. But Jack Slater saves him. Schwarzenegger saves Slater. Pass. <laughs> Get the hell off me. The Swedish has let me know when they're planning a stunt. You know, you're the best celebrity lookalike I've ever seen. Hey, if you get to Los Angeles, call my office. We can get your shopping center opening. Look, I don't really like you, all right? You brought me nothing but pain. Schwarzenegger saves Slater to the point where Schwarzenegger wants to hire yes. him as a, an amazing celebrity double to open up shopping centers. Because yeah. if I go to a shopping <laughs> save, who do I want to see? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's... I, I just, maybe LA is different, but like as far as I know, come to Whole Foods, meet Arnold. Time, yeah, if they have a, a store opening, they'll have like you know whatever local athlete or something. But anyway, the Ripper jumps off the balcony. He sticks his axe in the curtain and he rides all the way down. You know, you see it's like a chase, like an on foot chase scene, cat and mouse type scene. Except they're bumping into all these celebrities. They're knocking people over. There's the classic character mix-up. Rick Dukeman plays Tom Noonan's agent. Yes. So the Ripper shows up. Tom Noonan played the Ripper, so there, Dukeman thinks it's Tom Noonan. And Tom Noonan is already yes. there as Tom yes. Noonan. So his agent's pissed, played by Dukeman, who's like, you showed up as, as the Ripper. Like, what are you doing? And if any of you are unfamiliar with Rick Dukeman, Google him. You'll see him and go, he's the guy you go, oh, that guy that was in that movie. He's in everything. He's in everything. I like him in uh, Little Monster. Rest in power, Ricky. Yeah. The Slater 4 premiere is just, it's pretty awesome. A quick one and probably one after the Leo the Fart. Nerf gas. What are you talking about? Three canisters of Nerf gas were stolen from military trucks the night before last. They could have stuffed those inside him. And you know what that means, don't you? Uh-huh. Leo Defard is going to pass gas one more time. Yeah, that that's my other one. The cinematography of the Leo Defard funeral above the Hyatt Regency, the comedy, the stereotypical every Italian has a submachine gun, yeah. loading him with a bomb. So as I mentioned in plot, the Vivaldi comes up with this plan where basically the, the two mobs, the two families are going to make a truce. The Vivaldi's and the Torelli mob. Yes, yeah. except it's bullshit because Vivaldi actually... They're going to kill the Torelli mob, going to have supreme control. So they put a bomb in this dead man's body. Leo Defoe. Which they have to pull his finger to activate the bomb. The irony. Yeah. So as Jim said, cinematography is awesome. They have all the shots. Kind of, You know what it reminds me of? A Michael Bay shot. Yeah, exactly. Sands, no slow-mo. Yeah. So they've got like everything shot from like a helicopter. They're circling this building, but there's like nuns there and there's mob families there. And Slater gets up to the roof after the interference of practice, but he gets up to the roof. Puts a hat on. He has jeans, the red t-shirt, the tan jacket or brown jacket and a hat. <laughs> and everybody else is in, you know, tuxes and fancy clothes. He's a good man. Flatulent man. Did you hear this? Help me! Get me out of here! My God! This man's not dead! And he picks up 
Leo the Far. He says, this man's not dead. He does the voice, a and, little screaming voice. Yeah, he does a little screaming voice. He, he says, this man's not dead. He puts him on his shoulders. And his plan is that Danny is going to bring a crane. Who just learned basically baptism by fire, how to operate a crane. So he swings the crane through all the people. Slater throws Leo the Fart off the building who lands on the crane. And then Slater jumps. There's like a shootout in an elevator. And eventually... Arnold and Leo the Fart are both dropped from the crane into the La Brea tar pits. Arnold crawls out, wipes all the tar off himself. Yeah. You know, tar actually sticks to some people. And, well, I, I say that like it's a movie, but it's a, it's movie, a movie within a it. movie. Yeah. And that's, that's the pun is that he's able to wipe it off because it's a movie. Meanwhile, Danny was able to operate the crane, know where Leo the Fart was going to be thrown off the building from the opposite yes. side out of view. Yeah, you realize that Danny can't even see. You think he's bringing the crane over because he knows Arnold's in distress, but no, he just happens to swing the crane by at the perfect second. Catches him brilliantly, but hey, I gotta give it to Danny because he somehow figured out and the trope throughout the movie is whether he needs to operate the crane or drive the ambulance in the end, he always flashes a gun and everybody bolts. So he has to learn everything baptism well, by fire. He kind of attributes it to watching a lot of movies, which mm -hmm. he does. Just right. They always run away. And apparently he's a truant and that seems to be okay. So there you go. <laughs> so that that's all I've got for scenes. I don't know what you still want to discuss and talk about in scenes. The one funny thing I really liked is when Danny has a daydream in class at the beginning and he imagines Schwarzenegger as Hamlet. Hey, Claudius. You killed my father. Big mistake. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark, and Hamlet is taking out the trash. Stay thy hand, fair prince. Who said I'm fair? No one's going to tell this sweet prince good night. To be or not to be. Not to be. Yeah. Something's rotten in the state Is of that Denmark. Imagination? Yeah, he had a daydream okay. because right. they were watching Hamlet. Yeah. And so he daydreamed and imagined it with Schwarzenegger. If Schwarzenegger was in every form of a Shakespeare movie or text, I love the shit out of it. Yeah. I mean, look how many movies were adapted. I mean, we're going to end up covering throughout the whole length of this podcast. It's tremendous. But that scene alone, the cinematography was fantastic in that scene. Throughout the, this movie was ahead of its time. It gets shit on for no reason whatsoever. But the way they filmed that Hamlet scene is the majority was in black and white and then certain pops of color within it. I love the cinematography. Plus, this movie, if you love Schwarzenegger quips and puns, it's the best movie to watch for a Schwarzenegger movie now, by far. I didn't research more, but I do know that there, again, there was some hostility over how this movie was originally written, which was always intended to be a parody of big-budget action movies, and what ended up happening in the end. Now, I know that the original version of the movie did not have a golden ticket. We were talking about then how the hell would they pass through universe? Well, I think that the original version probably resembled something much closer 
to sidekicks with Jonathan Brandis and Chuck Norris. So there's a couple scenes in this movie that make me think they were in the original cut that stayed the original version of the script. Like one is the Hamlet scene. So he's imagining Arnold as Hamlet in his imagination. And I, I think that the original version probably had something where Danny, you know, used the coping mechanism of the loss of his father to imagine that he was actually friends with Jack Slater. Jack Slater was his father figure. Yeah. So Jack Slater is like an imaginary friend to him. And then like he gets through this tough situation. And then I think they brought in some other writers who were just like, oh, we're going to get wild with this. And we're going to have a magic ticket. There was Harry Houdini's. <laughs> so it, it ended up. I in, love multiple Houdinis. Yeah. Yes. The multiple Houdini theory. With that said, um, lifeguard, why don't you check your watch? Because I think it's time to blow the whistle. Bull check. We covered 1993 music videos in season one when we talked about Dazed and Confused. So no music videos this week. Instead, we discussed worst TV show finales of all time. With that said, here is a warning. 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 Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You are about to be inundated with spoilers from your following television shows. Be warned. Be safe. This is your final warning. Spoiler alert. Again, this is obviously going to be spoiler heavy, so please skip ahead if you don't want spoilers. You can listen to that bump. Again, spoiler warning. Skip ahead if you don't want to know. I will go ahead and go first this week, and I will say my number five worst finale of all time is not a show that I watched regularly, but for some reason, I like watching finales of shows that I even have passing knowledge of like, well, I'm, I'm not going to give it any away because they're going to come up. So my number five, How I Met Your Mother. Fuck the writers for this one. The whole premise of the show is a father named Ted telling a story to his kids how they got here. Jim, have you ever watched this show? No, because remember on a previous episode, I thought it was, what did I call it? I called it How, like, yeah, how you, Your Mom Met Your Son. I can't yeah, remember Yeah, you called it, it something weird. Yeah, I know who's in it, but I had no group interest. Group of friends, you know, real tight-knit, and throughout the seasons, they go their separate ways, they date different people. So, again, it's it's like The Princess Bride. It's after the fact, it's, it's a flashback, you know, a father telling his kids the story of how he met their mother. So, it was obvious that the entire show led to the finale when the audience would finally find out who the mother was. Ted had dated Robin, played by Colby Smothers, like the entire show, on and off, throughout the entire series, and she seemed most likely that's who would end up together. However, right before the end of the show, in one of the final episodes, you find out it's not Robin because she marries their friend Barney, played by Neil Patrick Harris. So the mother is actually ends up being a random woman who's introduced right at the end of the show. So, but after getting married and having kids, the mom dies. Then Robin divorces Barney and in an open-ended scene that leads you to believe that Ted and Robin live happily ever after. It's a deceiving way to get where everyone thought they would, but they just like... That sounds like they took the cheap, easy way they out. They did. Like, everybody assumed that Ted and Robin would end up together and that she was the mother of the kids. So, yes, technically she was, but she's not their biological mother. But as far as, like, a satisfying ending, doesn't that make it worse? You know what? This is the kind of bullshit that I have to compare. We've talked about previously during our Star Trek episode. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. It's gotten too dark, the newest shit. Star Trek Discovery, for instance, this past year... 
there has always been this issue of canon, especially with big Star Trek fans like me. They want to know, how can we get this show back to canon? This show was supposed to take place before Kirk. Their idea of getting it out of canon is they sent Discovery and her crew a thousand years into the future. Meanwhile, everybody in present time was told, don't ever bring it up. That's how they got back yeah. into canon. Yeah. It's like they literally did a five-minute fix when they could have spent time and did it yeah, right. they could have just done it right. Fucking infuriating. That's why, like, I, I think with How I Met Your Mother, they could have got to that result that they wanted without some of these other shows that we're going to discuss here in the next couple of picks. It's the same thing. It's the writers are just trying to be too cute and trying to just, like, be it's the, having a big head. Yeah, like, look what I can do. Yeah, they're trying to be the smartest person in the room when there was a much easier way to get there so and and like one I, I, that we're not going to discuss you know i'll talk about an honorable mentions but with with that said let's not spend too much more go ahead and give us your number five okay let me preface my number five so with this show it came out when i was a kid but i can remember watching it with my mom so i remember the one doctor on the show sounded like kit and i couldn't wrap my head around it i'm like eh. It can't be. Kit's a car. This can't be real. It's saying elsewhere. I'm talking about saying elsewhere. William Daniels was in it. Ed Begley Jr. Howie Mandel. So this show lasted for a good amount of time. I believe it was five or six seasons. It's your typical medical drama. You get to know the doctors. You get to love their characters, all their backstories, and everyday patients they would come in contact with. So throughout this whole run, and this is holds true for most shows, you get connected with these guys. You ache and you have pains for them whenever they're experiencing sorrow or heartbreak, you're cheering them on with the winds. The final fucking episode of this show, you see everything, okay, everything's nice, everything's going to be happy. All of a sudden, the camera starts zooming out, and then saying elsewhere, the hospital appears in a fucking snow globe, which is being held by a patient who thought all of this shit up. So every character throughout the seasons that you connected to, you fucking cheered every win. You cried every tear with them. Some patient made this shit up and saying elsewhere was nothing more than a fictional hospital within the snow globe of a hospital patient. So fuck NBC for that shit. I will say that I think a lot of people don't ah! don't know much about St. Elsewhere, but they do know the ending. It's that infamous that it's like, that is the joke. It, it, it literally was so bad that it kind of like undid everything because it literally did. It literally told you nothing that happened before this was real. St. Elsewhere was the prototype to most modern medical dramas. You know, your ERs, your... Chicago hopes your Grey's Anatomies. It was the prototype, and to pull a stunt like that is a slap in the face to loyal yeah. viewers. Yeah, it is. It is. A, they took a swing and they missed because that that is bad. It's just like it's, we said before. It's like what guy or what producer would go, "Hey, I yeah. like I like Ray's idea. Yes. Let's go with that." It's it's like the uh, Jacob's Ladder. You know how did this get yes. made? Uh, obviously, big influence to us. 
they talk about the Jacob's Ladder scenario. You know, a character died at some point and then everything that happened after they were dead the whole time or Sixth Sense or <laughs> while we're throwing out spoilers, I mean, let's just talk about yeah, Sixth Sense. Let's go to town. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those. It was all a dream. You know, you woke up. Total Recall. We talked about that. Was it a dream? Was it not a dream? So, yeah, crazy. I think that the finale on that show outdoes everything that happened. But before. what does it tell you, though, that a seven year old kid like I was can remember that bullshit seriously if anybody has an opportunity watch seeing elsewhere but don't get invested you'll see what we mean yeah so we did something this week that we hadn't done previously we knew i mean we were going to be talking about some of these things at length and for that reason we compared notes so and we reached out to other pool sceners and they gave us some uh, great ideas too did. thank yeah. you yeah so we we compared notes uh before the pool check this week so that we weren't stepping on each other's toes for that reason we're going to have a couple of dual picks. So the number four for both of us is a dual pick. It's Quantum Leap. So I'll go into it. Interject wherever you want, Jim. So Quantum Leap, we've talked about it previously. Dr. Sam Beckett's a physicist. He takes part in a time travel experiment, and he gets stuck leaping through time where he must fix mistakes in the timeline before he can leap again. So historical events, random people... He leaps into somebody's body. He has to fix something before he can leave, and his hope is to someday leap back into his own life. He has a sidekick named Al who kind of gives him pointers on and probabilities on what he thinks will... Who's overseen by Ziggy. Yes, who's overseen by Ziggy. So his hope someday leap back to his own body. In the finale, Sam sort of learns that he can leap home at any time, but he chooses to not leap home. And instead, he chooses to keep leaping in order to correct a mistake on behalf of Al. And then, in awkward fashion, the show gets wrapped up with a series of title cards. The absolute worst being <laughs> Dr. Sam Beckett oh. never returned home. First, they spelled his fucking name wrong. So what does that tell you about the people that were creating and writing the show that they gave no shits about Sam Beckett? They spelled the character's name wrong. You can't make this shit up. And then two, the obvious, why didn't he return home? The episode basically said he could return home. And then it's like the title card's like he never did. Okay. That's like a conspiracy mystery. However, in fairness... This episode wasn't really supposed to be the final episode. The show was canceled suddenly and the title cards were added after. So this was just a season finale. And you can't proofread, apparently. Yes, season finale. And then they added the title cards. And then there are some very cool things that you can find on YouTube, including an alternate ending of this episode. They, that they had filmed, my understanding, that they had filmed in case this was a finale, which that's another gaff it's a huge gaff if they filmed a, an ending that was a just in case then why didn't they use the just in case ending? it's almost like they got that little notice about the cancellation mm -hmm. and then there's some scenes from an episode or episodes of the next season that never aired so in fairness this wasn't intended to be the finale but it sucks because it is. So it wasn't supposed to be, but it is. Now, there is a show I really like, a Brian Fuller show called Wonderfalls. It was two seasons, and it would have been wonderful if the show could have continued. The end of the second season ends not that bad, but it gets the, not a title card ending, but the final episode of season two fades to black, and then it comes back up, and you get like two minutes of dialogue and kind of like scenes that wrap the series up. 
and sort of what Quantum Leap did, but just much better executed. The TV shows that we are talking about, one of which did come back horrifically, but Quantum Leap is a one they could easily bring yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Because they've, it's been over 25 years now. Scott Bakula's age, let him come well, home. There's, Even if it was a four-part series. Yeah, there, is, just, there is an idea out there. And from what I understand, a pilot or a pitch was going around. Now, before I tell you what it was, Al, in that deleted alternate ending tells so he gets back together with the woman he loved and he tells her i can't stay i have to go get sam so al starts leaping to go get sam which is cool but the pitch that was going around the networks that never got picked up samuel beckett's daughter goes leaping looking for her father don't you think he would have some sort of coordinate though some sort of beacon to say okay sam just showed up in october of 54 I'm assuming you can't do a direct leap. You no, got to kind of yeah. A, B to C. Yeah, it, it would be near impossible to find him. He could be in any day, any year. So it would be so difficult if this. Well, plus, there'd be a lot of interesting backstory. He leaps, say he leaps into somebody, he ends up falling in love and have, having a family and getting attached, even though that's not who he sees in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess for what it's worth, he could probably decide to stop leaping if he knows what it takes to get out of that period he's getting older too he could just be like i'm just gonna stay here i'm just gonna not do the thing i need to do to leap sam beckett probably showed up at the top of my stairs before we recorded this thing i think he did shit hopefully that it was sam beckett and not the next person that is both of our number three picks dexter A finale so bad, it ruins the entire show that came before it. Oh, Dexter, the reason we don't want him here is because it's a show about a serial killer. However, I think we're good because he's a serial killer who only kills bad people. He only kills people who he's deserve it. He's a CSI. It. Yeah, and he, like, you know, if you got off for some reason, Dexter's going to kill you. You know, he ties up loose ends. He's an anti-hero in that way. He, but the problem is he also works for Miami PD as a blood spatter analyst. His sister's a detective. So for that reason, he's a serial killer who's a policeman. From episode one, I mean, this show could only go so many ways. I mean, he could basically get killed, get caught, which it wasn't likely he was going to go to prison. Or become a fucking lumberjack. So yes, because there's, that's, there's Z. That's exactly what happens. Because in the, fin- in the finale, they say, nah, fuck it lumberjack let's send him off in a boat into a hurricane is he he's like five years later he yes. lives in the fucking yukon yeah, he's yes. paul bunyan they kill his sister which is just nothing more than a plot convenience i mean why the hell not you had so, his sister fall in love with him his sister has all the info on dexter she knows who he is she's the only one that can bring him down but she dies because just plot convenience he abandons his child and he goes on to be a lumberjack it seriously makes me so angry and they talked about i believe there was a story about bringing dexter back but with it being harrison yes taking over the mantle well, yeah, of his Lila, father who is the yep. the baby's mother basically they teach harrison the code and he goes on and and i would watch that i you know now here's the thing about dexter i loved that show but being an avid watcher of that show i even said after the trinity killer season four 
they should have ended the show. It that's, did not need to go any farther. That's one of the best like seasons of television ever. And but then you get some really bad seasons after that. Like you get the Lumen season oh. with Julia, with Julia Styles. Yes, you, you get, get Yvonne. Uh, he falls in love with a female Dexter equivalent. Yes. You get the religion season with, oh, which is horrible. Yeah. With oh, uh, Edward Edward James Olmos. Yeah, Edward James Olmos and uh, which he did great in that role. Colin Hanks. Yeah, it's. Yeah, that but after that season, John Lithgow was an amazing because, quite frankly, I didn't see it coming. Plus, Rita dies yeah. in season four in the bathtub. See, this to me is another example where the writers are like, we're smarter than you. Like, you know what they saw? Money still coming weird. in. And they kept smashing it into the fucking wall. Yeah. So, like some shows, they just got to know when to end it. I mean, HBO does a good job with that. They kind of know when the well is dry. Yeah. But obviously, Showtime, I mean, look at the wire. Obviously, look at Showtime Oz. didn't. I mean, there's there's some some shows that just go on too long. Dexter was one of them. If Dexter would have been three seasons, four seasons, even five seasons, you get a totally different result. But it's a, it just keeps going. And Michael C. Hall, I couldn't imagine anybody else being Dexter now, than Michael C. Well, Hall. He's in Six Feet Under, which how he got this. That's role. actually the best television show finale of all time. Is Six Feet Under? It is emotional and insanely good. It is an amazing finale. So. So if you want to get Michael C. Hall and the bad taste out of your mouth from Dexter, watch Six Feet Under for a satisfying Now, ending. Dexter is definitely that type of show I would like to see come back for five episodes or six to wrap it better. Yeah. Because I don't need to be left with the fact well, that he's hacking trees up in the fucking Pacific Northwest when he should be hacking so motherfuckers. Okay? My next two picks are the next pick is a, another joint one. And then my number one in both of these cases. Both of these shows were brought back because of the response to the finale. So let me go ahead and without further ado, say our number two together, Roseanne. Ugh. So Roseanne follows the blue collar Connor family in a Chicago suburb. It's a dysfunctional family comedy, something we've seen a million times, but it was really smart, really good. You know, the issues they tackled, they did in a good way. Smart writers. But then the writers decide to be complete assholes in the final season. To explain the finale, let me tell you that in the final season, Roseanne fights terrorists on a train. Because why not? Dan cheats on Roseanne and the Connors win the lottery. But what you learn in the season finale, the series finale, is that Dan actually died early in the final season without the show letting the audience know. You know what this this finale, this whole final season of Roseanne, that the writers and the producers definitely know, hey, our number's up. This yeah. is it. They're not going to renew it. Fuck ABC. We're going to give them the biggest middle finger possible, and we're just going to have fun with this carte blanche. So, what are they going to do? Fire us? Yeah. So the reason that all of that happened is because the finale reveals that Roseanne is writing a memoir and that all of the things that happened in the final episodes were actually devices that she used to cope with Dan's death. And none of those things happen. So the terrorists on the train, Dan cheating on her, the lottery, none of those things happened. They took away everything that made the show good. They killed a beloved character, but they did it off camera. If you think of every character on that show, everybody who is anybody who loved that show loved Dan Connor. Yeah. So let's kill him, but not even give you like, let's just tell you he died and never let you. But then let's bring the show back and act like none of that shit happened. Exactly. And what that, the fuck? That's exactly what they did. They were like, man, we shit the bed so bad 
Let's bring Roseanne back, which was short-lived because of some controversy. But they not only brought Dan back, they ignored the final season. Yeah, like it never happened. And they even made jokes about the finale because they asked Dan about, you know, terrorists on a train or something. And then that version got booted. And then the Connors exists, which also disregards. Wait, is that still on the air or no? The Connors. As far as I know it, it okay. is. But it, there was a couple seasons at least. So that's that's our number two. Roseanne is probably the biggest example of writers just being like, fuck you guys. <laughs> We're going to go crazy with this one. Again, I, I feel like isn't there a lot of pressure when a show is really good to wrap it up nicely for everyone. Like it, it is such, why do they have to get cutesy? Well, that's the thing is because if you wrap it up too nicely, people are just going to be like, it was fine. Mm -hmm. So they've got to take like a big swing. And there's a couple we'll talk about honorable mentions. I'll just tell you now, like lost, you know, that's one like, uh, but there are shows that have gone on forever, but they wrap it up perfectly. Like ER. Yeah. I was a huge ER fan that went 15 seasons. But even with that final episode, it connected with the end of the very first episode. Yeah. So at least they wrapped it brilliantly. Yeah. And they brought people back that haven't been on the show in years. So uh, let me go ahead and give you my number one. I won't talk a lot about it. And then we'll get to your number one and some honorable mentions. Number one for me, ALF. ALF stands for Alien Life Form. This is so crazy, everybody. The premise of ALF is that the Tanner family houses a Muppet-like alien named Gordon Shumway. <laughs> who eats cats and Gordon wears costumes to avoid detection from the alien task force who is looking for him in the alpha finale. Gordon Shumway phones home for his kind to come and extract him, but it's too late because he's captured by the alien task force who euthanize him. <laughs> Fucking kill him. They kill Alf. I had his puppets from Burger King. My hand was up his ass every week watching the show. I don't think that Alf, is it is a family show but it, i think that it probably identified more with kids oh and i they, think this was Peter striking back at us for him eating like, cats. we uh we euthanized alf so anyway they brought alf back they did a movie special that's right i forgot like, about six that. months later because it was so poor they were like oh my god they killed alf <laughs> so like six months later they tried to like do this thing where Alf hosted a special and said he actually had escaped and he didn't actually die. No, you didn't. And, but, this is fake Alf. But there was no Tanner family on it. It was like, they killed Alf. They killed him. How do you kill a beloved it's, icon of 80s children? It's like something I brought up a few times on this podcast. David the Gnome. David the Gnome. Is you a, love David one, the Gnome. No, I don't. I actually hate it. <laughs> But 1,000% David the Gnome is for children. Small yep. children. Five, six, seven the Gnome. He, like, just goes and dies. He just tells the kid, like, hey, I gotta go die now. And it's, like, traumatizing for a kid. But at least David, like, goes out on his own terms. Alf, they're just like... Nope. No, we just euthanized this alien. It's like walking up to Kermit the Frog and putting a shotgun in his mouth yes. and pulling the fucking trigger. <laughs> very dark. Very, very dark. So that's my number one. Jim, why don't you go ahead and give us yours before we get into some honorable mentions. And hey, we got some good honorable mentions, everybody. My number one worst television finale. Shout out to our friend Elon. It has to be Seinfeld. Now, Seinfeld was such a creatively written show. Because the joke behind Larry David was, it's a show about nothing. It's absolutely about nothing. It's just friends who hang out, one of them being a comedian, and they just do random shit throughout their day. Seven seasons this show went. 
We love Jerry. We even love the the theme song was fantastic. But how does it end in a small town in the northeast of America? They end up in jail, and that's the end of the show. Yeah, it's. I tuned in to watch the Seinfeld finale with millions of others. I have it on VHS, the original recording. And they spend the almost the entirety of the episode in jail. How frustrating is, because even to this day, Seinfeld, in the modern lexicon of America, if not the world, it's probably the most quotable television show ever. I mean, look at some of the episodes. Look, the contest, the soup Nazi. There's so many other things that stick out. I still, to this day, want to know what the hell Larry David, or no, wait, Larry David was already gone at this point. Well, but why the hell would you do this to these characters? If you were a writer, how would have you ended Seinfeld? Okay, Be- this might get creative. Because if you did something away from the norm, then it would have got criticized for being too far off the plot. What if you just go back to the old 80s trope? And I liked how certain 80s shows would end, like Cheers. Guy knocked on a front door and he said, sorry, pal, bars closed, they turn off the lights. Or a certain unnamed show who had a guy who committed a lot of felonies literally walked right off the yep. set in front of the studio audience, they waved away. Yep. What if they were just in Jerry's apartment watching a movie and then, or watching a TV show and a show came on, all of a sudden you're, and Jerry just goes, that show's about nothing, and he turns it off. I, I that's like that. it. I like it. I like it. I, I think that's funny. I like shows like because Seinfeld, especially, is about nothing. Essentially, that's exactly the right way to end it. Wouldn't that be great? Just, though? just assume that the characters go on doing the same things that they've always done. There's no need to kill them. There's no need for them to get married. There's no need to do anything crazy. Just do what you've always done. What you said, perfect, Georgie. Yeah. come in here. It's a show about nothing. Turn it off, Jerry. Yeah, there, boom. Perfect. Now I'll go back quickly and say how I would have fixed how I met your mother. Ted and Robin would have just got together. They would have done it more creatively. There would have been no other woman who died. Quantum leap. Sam would have got got back home. <laughs> he goes home. Yeah, you're done. He does this shit for Al, and then he also gets home. Dexter. I don't know. Not a lumberjack. After season four, you, that's where you end it. Yeah, not a lumberjack. Don't have him falling in love with his sister. Ro- Roseanne, let Dan die. Fine. Yeah. But just have him pass away and it's just tragic. Just say he has a heart attack or something. He was yes. overweight. Yes. And and then even if you want, make the episodes after that about coping with the loss of Dan. And, you know, in the finale, you realize that they're all going to mm-hmm. be okay. And for me, saying elsewhere... Here's how you do it. As they were pulling out where you see the hospital, don't show a snow globe. It's just snowing, and that's it. Yeah. Game over. You yeah. don't need somebody holding a snow globe. Nope. Fuck you. Yeah. For me, Alf, the final one is... He goes back to Melmac. Yeah. Yeah. And the Tanners just, you know, give a, a teary goodbye. That's it. He doesn't get euthanized by the alien task force. No. Maybe Alf shows up in the Seinfeld finale. A uh, couple honorable mentions. Scrubs. So one of the problems with Scrubs, so it, it didn't make my list because of this reason. Switch networks. Switch networks. All the main characters, for the most part, left. So Zach Braff left. You know, main characters left the show and they tried to keep it going. It lasted one season. So the season eight finale is honestly great. It is honestly. So Zach Braff sits down and watches on a projector. I'm getting like chills thinking about it. He watches his life past, present and future unfold on. It's sort of like the scene in Christmas vacation with Chevy Chase in the attic and he oh, finds the old movies. The real. 
And that's like what it is. It ends fantastically in season eight. But then season nine, you've got characters coming back for some episodes and not all episodes. You got new characters. I don't even know what the finale is beating a dead horse. Yes. Bad. Another show that did the same thing. X-Files. Yeah. Mulder and Scully. So Jillian Anderson and uh, David Duchovny basically got so expensive that they replaced them with uh, some new agents. By the time you get to the finale, Mulder and Scully are back, and I paid them paid them a shit ton to be there. But it's like it got too derailed by the time I got there. They that was another great show that was ahead of its time. Unlike you know, just like Last Action Hero. Yeah, and then I think the biggest well, there's also the Sopranos. I never watched it. I'm not really into Italian stuff. So Sopranos, uh, one of the most fantastic shows ever. It's yeah. absolutely unbelievable writing, and I have no problem with the finale with the finale of Sopranos. We're going to talk about Lost here in a minute, but with Sopranos, people's expectations are what make the finale so bad. So people like there are a certain type of person who needs everything in a bow. They cannot use their imagination. They cannot just like not explicitly be told what happens. Sopranos, if you don't know. Tony and his family are sitting at a table in a diner and some other mobsters from a rival mob come into the diner. Journey's playing. And it just cuts to black. That's it. A lot of people thought that the show, something went wrong. They thought their cable went out. People called their cable company and were like, what happened? Because they didn't know that that's how it ended. I also think that the point of don't stop believing where it cut to black where you just don't stop It's, don't stop thinking. Don't there, stop believing. That's are, why they play that song. There are several essays on Sopranos, and Tony and perhaps his family absolutely get gunned down 1,000% right there. They're dead. But they just saved you from seeing Tony Soprano get gunned down. They do it off camera. So Tony, 1,000% dead. So many people told me I should watch The Sopranos. I'm just not into Italian mobster movies. I come from an it's, Italian family. I'm just not into it. It's not. I didn't like the Godfather. Not, no, it's not Casino and Godfather, though. It's about a very bad man trying to live with essentially not seeing himself as a bad man and going through therapy and, you know, doing what he has to do, essentially. So it, it's got a different type of element to it. Now, another show that was on HBO that you know, through my messages, texts, DMs was the most requested, not one that I put on my list and not one I really wanted to discuss because you hadn't seen it, but you said you probably won't watch it. Yeah, it's, not my it's, thing. it's Game of Thrones. So Game of Thrones tells the story of rival families, who's going to sit on the throne and, you know, takes the long way to get there. And you've got candidates for the throne from the Stark family, from the Targaryens, um, you know, from all over the place. You know, Stannis Baratheon. You've got all these these different families who have a stake to the throne. And in the end, weirdo, third eye, wheelchair ridden Bran Stark becomes the king. And it is so weird. But that's not even the biggest problem. There are a ton of people who have a problem that Bran Stark is on the throne of all characters on the show, just like an ancillary random character is on the throne, but that's not the biggest problem. So there's a whole sequence between Jon Stark, Jon Snow, I'm sorry, he is a Stark and a Targaryen, but Jon Snow, Daenerys Targaryen, and how the whole thing unfolds and not just the finale. Daenerys is like, she's Khaleesi. She's, she's the... You know, she's probably the character everyone rooted for most 
from the beginning of the show because of when she what she went through despite not really ever showing signs that she's crazy in air quotes she makes it through the whole show makes decisions based on suggestions from our advisors makes decisions on what she thinks is best but at the end of the show before the finale Daenerys decides to commit genocide she literally takes over a city but instead of just like letting them retreat she uses her dragons to completely annihilate and burn down thousands of people. So the writers took the lazy way out. Yeah. Okay. They're like, oh, she's crazy. Because then in the finale, it gives justification that she can die and not be on the throne. Jon Snow kills her. Because how else were they going to eliminate her? Like, it's, it's mental. It is mental. The writers... I mean, in fairness, Game of Thrones, based on books, I didn't want to talk about it this much, but based on books, the books weren't done. Supposedly, the writer told HBO how it was supposed to end, so it was his ending. There's a lot of speculation as to whether that's true, whether it was a collaborative effort, whether he actually knew. George R.R. Martin, he's the only one that can say for sure, because after the show, I'm pretty sure that he had some choice words because he, he didn't really like the ending. But yeah, Game of Thrones is very controversial. A lot of people think the final season, there was actually petitions for people who wanted the, the finale and the final season remade. They wanted the writers and showrunners removed. They petitioned. They like 5 million people signed it. They wanted to pull a quick Roseanne. Yes. They wanted the show redone. So yeah, Game of Thrones is nuts. Was there anything you want to talk about before Lost? No, let's get to Lost because... Okay. Don't so, want to go that long about it, but if I could throw in my two cents real quick, I think the Lost finale is the best finale in television history. I wouldn't call it the best in history, but I, For I me like it, is. it. I like it. I love it because it makes you think. Every time I've I've watched Lost five, four or five times all the way through, I still cry when I watch I, the finale. I will. I I don't want to be one of those people with the Lost finale who says. If you didn't like it, you just didn't get it. I don't want to say that, but I think a lot of people who hate that finale don't really understand it. The show is very religious. Yeah. It has a lot of religious overtones. And the fact that they ended it, the gateway to the beyond is yeah. the church. Yes. And Jack's dad's name is, is Christian, Christian Shepherd. Yeah. I he mean, is a Christian shepherd to the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, so Lost, I Lost had the curse of asking too many questions that they weren't really interested in answering. Mm -hmm. So they liked asking questions they didn't like answering questions granted the writer strike hurt that show quite writer a bit strike, too. absolutely because season four is only 12 episodes mm -hmm. but then you have you introduce that temple in the final season it got a little it got a little heady yeah it got it, very it gets, heady it gets a little crazy before it lands the, the man plane. in black jacob yeah i mean so i like the finale i am perfectly content with it i i feel like that's the People either love it or hate it. There's no in between. There's no like it's just all right. Gotta love the. Uh, it's the in the whole premise of the island. It's the in between. It's judgment. To me, this is what I thought. The island is judgment. They have to see if they're worthy enough to go. Yeah. Go beyond. Yeah. So they all. It's their trial. Yeah. So a lot of people say they were dead the whole time and it's purgatory. That's not the case. They die when they organically die. It's just that's their 
before they pass over, that's where they come back but to. But I know a lot of people disconnected when they started doing the flash forward, yes. flash sideways, yeah. and then it got a little It's heady. like last action here. There's just alternate universes. But the one thing about Lost is you have to watch it more than once to yeah. understand yes. it more. Yes. When you watch it, even the second time, you notice a lot of things that you didn't notice the first time through that makes more sense. I'm actually watching it again right now. Plus, oh. I will say, name another more joyous scene in any TV show, any oh movie, God. than when Hurley gets the van yes. operating. Yes. No matter what shittiness is going on in anybody's life at that moment, you become Hurley. I, that was his I goal to get that van working. literally want a tattoo of the van because... That that to me like just represents pure joy. Like you obviously have no life to just get one thing that makes you so happy. And Hurley was the most genuine character on that show. He's my favorite. So funny thing about Lost is is the writers get shit on so bad for it. Damon Lindelof, who wrote Lost and kind of you know a lot of people think fell apart, did The Watchmen. Watchmen on HBO, huge recommend. Amazing. He. You know, one of the, like, the last few episodes of that, what looks to be a standalone season, it doesn't look like they're going to return. I'm completely fine with. They don't need to touch it anymore. No, no. Thank you. They leave it open-ended. They said if they want somebody else to do another story, fine, do it. But yeah. it won't be connected. No, it's it's great. And he he wrapped that one up fantastic for me. Like, I have no complaints about yeah. Watchmen. Watch Watchmen right now on yes. HBO. You can watch the movie if you want, just for some backstory, but you don't have to. Uh, so that was pretty long. Again, listen. Uh, Thank yeah. you, Pool Sceners, for the suggestions. Hope you liked it. Okay, with that said, everybody back in the pool. <laughs> okay, so in Last Action Hero, Benedict's plan is to retrieve Jack Slater villains to kill Slater and then become a villain in the real world. He wants to go to New York and use his ability to go into movies. Gentlemen, since you're about to die anyway, I may as well tell you the entire plot. Think of villains, Jack. You want Dracula? Dracula? Hang on. I'll fetch him. Dracula? I can get King Kong. We'll have a nightmare with Freddy Krueger. Have a surprise party for that old Hitler. Hannibal Lecter can do the catering. And then we'll all have a christening for Rosemary's baby. All I have to do is snap my fingers and they'll be here. They're lining up to get here. And do you know why, Jack? Shall I tell you why? Hmm? Because here, in this world, the bad guys can win. With that said, who who would you retrieve? We thought about this, and I still... One movie. We're taking one movie, one whoever, right? Because we said we can use documentaries. Benedict mentioned bringing Hitler into the world. Why the fuck would you want to bring yeah, Hitler? He He's the most useless piece of shit. That's like saying, I'm going to bring Trump from The Apprentice. Well, this is what happened now. Now, I will say... What Predator. Yeah, yeah. Imagine bringing Predator. However, that's that's a that's something I think is Benedict has it all right because Benedict no, like he says at one point, I can get King Kong, I can get whoever. But if he brings King Kong, how's he going to control him? You know how if you got Predator, how are you going to get tell Predator what to do? This is how meta this movie is, everybody. So me and you have had serious discussions as we were watching this movie because you had questions for me. Every character has their own movie reel, so it's all up. Well, let me, let me kind of explain it yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then go we'll ahead, get go into ahead, it. Go ahead. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor, 
films a movie that becomes Jack Slater 4. The characters in Jack Slater 4 are living a predetermined life that they aren't aware that is actually a movie. That the writers wrote for them. Yes. So are they only living the scenes that are filmed? Or are they living everything else in between? Now, this is how deep I got. And this is what I was thinking. Like, you brought up the fact. Now, how would this look like if they actually did cuts during the movie? Like, yeah. all right, cut, wrap, film it, next scene. It doesn't exist in that. Everything is going to be like you were looking at a script. That's how that movie ends up being determined. However, there are bleed throughs within Jack Slater 4, the movie reel we see at Nick's movies. We see Stallone starring as Terminator 2. Shout out to Rob Leonard for guessing the movie. Prize is coming your way, buddy. So Stallone and everybody else. And we also see Robert Patrick as the T-1000 in the coming out of the squad room. So Terminator 2 did exist in this universe, but it's just Stallone. But there is a Slater bubble within this reel. So Schwarzenegger doesn't, ex- doesn't exist in, in Slater's world. So num- like I'm not going to say number two because number 2000. So when Danny enters this movie. I is that guy? Cone of phrase. Oh. Wait a minute. The bad puns, the voice, the hard rock. This is happening. This is really happening. With the golden ticket. It's the unique movie to that place. Because there's probably thousands of reels. So we are to assume that Nick, if he didn't fall asleep, because they say he says he fell asleep during the, the movie. Well, plus we don't know how he got access to the movie we before no it idea. even premiered. Yes. But Nick falls asleep while Danny watches Slater 4. If Nick was not asleep, would he have seen Danny in the movie? You would think he could watch Danny's version of Jack Slater 4. But Danny is in the movie for close to like two days. That's another thing I wondered. What did that pass in real time? Because I don't think the only thing it passed was maybe a couple hours because his mom was like, where were you? Then who then who is editing it? Because if Danny's there for like because she said that's exactly what she says is like you were gone till four in the morning or whatever. So in the real world, only the length of the movie passes. Mm -hmm. But in the movie itself it's a couple weeks yeah or a couple days or a couple at least. days so somebody had to edit like it had to be magic to be edited for the screen but nobody saw it which again le- le- leads like it gives precedence to the fact that i told you the original version of this movie didn't have a golden ticket which would have been interesting so, how you would have explained so it So that kind of makes it the sidekicks thing though that yeah Danny that imagines himself in the movie chuck norris and then when he gets out of the movie he says i was in the movie and everybody's like great but nobody saw it so did it really happen so they could have did it you know in watching this movie and i didn't mention this to you but in some ways i kind of think of inception because like i get that in inception inside the dreams you know Cobb asks people do you remember entering your dream you don't you just are in the middle of it. You just wake up and you're in the middle of a dream. You're in a place. You don't know how you got there. That's kind of what I think of happens in Slater's universe. He doesn't know how he got to any particular place. So 
he does actually only live out the scenes that are filmed and he doesn't have to do any of that transition to get there. See, the one thing we brought up is the premise that that reel that Danny is watching is unique to him and him only. There were thousands upon thousands of Jack Slater four completed reels that are just the movie from script start to script end. Yes. This was his version. So Benedict is smart because he could go get somebody from another movie. And if say that person he brought back dies, he can go to another reel and bring them back. Because that's what that's kind of what I said. So ultimately, the whole plan is that Benedict is going to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger. If he kills Arnold Schwarzenegger, there won't be any more Jack Slater, Jack Slater movies. However, you can still watch Jack Slater movies. And yeah, they've already existed. They're done. So Slater is still going to exist. I mean, there won't be any further Slater, but Slater will still exist. And again, even if you kill Slater, can't you just go in the movie again and get another Slater? You have four other movies to choose from. Yeah, you can get Slater from Slater 1, Slater from Slater 2, and so on. And the same with, like, Benedict gets the Ripper, and Jack uh, electrocutes the Ripper and kills him. But Benedict could ultimately just go get another Ripper. Because remember, we see that play out at the very beginning of the movie where the Ripper takes Slater over the roof. The Ripper dies in that reel of the film. He goes to another reel and brings the Ripper back. Right. So we saw it play out. So none of the stakes of this movie really matter. I mean, like, when if Slater would have died from the gunshot, oh, shit. like we said, Danny would have to go and educate this new Slater. But he'd have to go to a, get another real spo- yeah. spooled up. Yeah, and he'd have to educate Slater again that this is all a movie, not of his real, blah, blah, blah. But just because this Jack Slater dies, like... You can go get another Slater. He just, exists. It, there's, there's some really, really, really bad like open-ended physics to to this logic it's just I, this movie was ahead of its time but i think it was too heady to be the movie it became yeah and i i think some of that like i said happened in the writing process like we we brought up the fact that there were other interesting movies of the time like you brought up goosebumps with Arnold yeah. stein i said john candy with delirious yeah even like inception exactly like- it's a very smart movie But when we talked about, or when Kevin talked about, they thought this movie would take out Jurassic Park. They They moved this. They moved Jurassic Park for this. They were so confident, just based on Arnold Schwarzenegger's track record, that this movie would just clean up at the box office. It would be the number one movie, no problem. And, And, you know, I don't understand why it wasn't. They attribute early returns on test markets and critics absolutely saying it was garbage i think this movie was too smart for the layman this movie i think is fantastic if not one of schwarzenegger's this is top three schwarzenegger movie like it's got a it's got everything that the other schwarzenegger movies i mean not the adult schwarzenegger movies have nothing like like total recall or predator Predator. but it's got one-liners it's got some good explosions it's got some funny stuff You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm going to say that, did you? I mean, Schwarzenegger's good. Like, he's good in everything. He's fine. I, I don't understand the catastrophic failure of this movie. But, uh, yeah. So, with that said, 
let's let's talk about a few other logic points because we're kind of rambling on the golden ticket the the item that wasn't in the original script that seemingly caused a lot of this logic issue and maybe why the movie was a failure because they introduced this idea of a golden ticket and and i don't think we discussed this too much maybe a little bit in plot harry houdini had a golden ticket why nick got it throw from his dad i think he says his dad gave it to him and nick nick like he has a, a talk with Danny where he says he considered using it, but he didn't know and he was scared. But as part of the ceremony, first off, you made a good point. So Nick tells Danny, like, he wants to go through the process. He doesn't just like want him to go take a seat and watch the movie. He's like, wait, 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 before you go in, here's a ticket. And he rips the Houdini ticket in half. Why does he rip it in half? That is like, Nothing else, magic or not. That's like a collector's item. It was a ticket owned by Harry Houdini. He'd go sell it to Pawn Stars. But he, I'll give you a dollar. That's the best I can do. It's a gold piece of paper. I uh, was asking four grand. Yeah. I was looking to get about uh, four grand. Thanks, Chumley. Eight bucks. Best I could do. <laughs> uh, so he, Nick rips the ticket. So there goes any value. But when you pointed it out, and I've never noticed. I've watched this movie 50 times. Never noticed. When he rips the ticket, you kind of see the the sparkles. Activates it. But how does the ticket work? I obviously I know it's magic, but what are the rules for the ticket? You think you would have to utilize that ticket within a movie theater, but we see when Benedict crosses over and they blow up Benedict, apparently, when the movie th- ticket falls to the ground in front of the movie theater, death comes out. Yeah. So what well, is the level so, of proximity? And in Benedict's in the Vivaldi mansion, he can go right through the wall because yeah, it activates. I have a couple questions. One, Danny watches maybe 15 minutes of the movie before the ticket activates. Mm-hmm. He doesn't touch it. He doesn't rub it. He doesn't say a, a, a chant or a curse. He just is sitting there and 15 minutes into the movie. And you you have said maybe maybe you've got to have joy. Maybe you've got to do something. You feed, it's some sort of emotional Feeds trigger. on energy. I don't know. But 15 minutes in the movie, the ticket lights up and he goes into the movie. I would have preferred a script where Nick said, I've traveled into all the movies ever. I've lived a full life. Here's the ticket. This is how it works. It's yours now. Rather than not knowing that it didn't work because this movie needed some exposition on how yeah, the he ticket was the worked. guide. Yes. He should have been like, Here's the ticket. Don't use it after midnight. Don't feed it. Don't get water on it. <laughs> or maybe Nick befriended other kids or other people in the past, and they just didn't have what he was looking for. But he saw this in Danny. Yeah, exactly. Because Danny befriended him yes. and liked who he was. Exactly. He just, he, they should have put something in the script where Nick gives Danny the rules to the ticket. It would have been a five-minute thing. Because my major questions are, why doesn't it work immediately? Two, how do they return to the real world? Now, assuming in in the real world going into the movie, you just have to have the ticket and watch the movie and you just go into the movie. It's a, the the screen is the portal. But how what is the portal back to the real world? Because Benedict goes through the wall and he he's, ends up back in the movie theater. It like it doesn't make sense. Like he just he goes through the wall. How does he know? And then like we can only assume the outer portals will always be a movie theater. Don't know where, though. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But but Benedict doesn't know where the movie theaters are. He goes through his wall. And the other thing, you know, at least up until the end of the movie, the ticket had to be like on your person. So Benedict's holding it. Danny has it in his pocket. But at the end of the movie, 
Benedict dro- when he when his eye explodes and blows his head up or whatever, he drops the ticket off the roof and the ticket lands on the sidewalk. Yeah, and somehow while, it activates while the screening of the movie. So a character from the movie walks out of the screen because the ticket was on the sidewalk outside of the theater. But Death was the only one within that movie that acknowledged the feeling of that ticket and was able to go, hey, I'll go out that way. But yeah. he even acknowledges Danny being on his death list, but not until he's a grandfather, yes. which is another weird thing. Well, and, he, and Slater's not on his list, and it's because he doesn't live in the he real world. He doesn't exist. Yeah, so I don't... I just wish that they would have given us... Nick said, "My even I've never used it, but my father told me these rules. An easy throwaway and line. I was always afraid to try. But no, we get no rules for the ticket, and it's there's so many inconsistencies. We don't know how it actually works. Or what if there were multiple tickets and people have traveled, but they got stuck? Yep. You got to be a magician after all, Nick. But you know what? It really does work. A decent cop. How the tickets yours, Danny? And you know something? I think the magic was yours too. There's another way you can go with that. Looking for Sam Beckett. Can you go in TV? <laughs> can you go in a documentary? Imagine that. Some, I have one that I have to talk about, but you go. Well, ahead. I have something kind of lighthearted, just a lighthearted logic issue. Jack and Danny are back in the real world. There are Jack Slater four premiere posters everywhere. This is the ticket. This is the place to be. All the stars are aligned and they're going to be right there in Times Square. You're in New York City, population of what? Nine million people, roughly. Nobody recognizes Jack Slater, even though he is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just walking around casually in the street, running across taxi cabs, firing guns. Yeah. Nobody goes, hey, man, aren't you Arnold? He's wearing, Nobody. A, wearing a hat. Wearing a hat. I'm sorry. Is it the hat? That's the, okay, I can see why then. But that's just another basic thing and another quick basic thing. So we are led to believe that Danny basically barely ever goes to school and he always ends up in the movie theaters. First off, I've had my issues with absenteeism when it comes to school. I kind of set a record. But even then, the state called my parents and get, hey, what's going on with this? So you're telling me not once the state ever called his mom and goes, where's your mom? And when their house gets busted into and it's just Danny there. Why would the cops not wait until That's his mother weird. comes home? And why would his mother not just leave work immediately knowing that her son is at the police station? Danny files the police report himself. And then <laughs> Danny is the oldest kid in the world. And then he just gets to leave the police station. Kids got a set of balls mom. on him being his in New York City. doesn't even know he's there nope. because she has a conversation with Slater. Why didn't you tell me that Jack was a cop? And why didn't you tell me you spent the whole night in the police station looking at mug shots? You could have taken two minutes to call your mother. Why didn't you tell me you had no friends? And what is this business about going to the movies at midnight when you knew your mother would be worried? Mom, you turned him into a whim. Oh, I think not. Okay, which, when that conversation takes place, that is my, I could, I've been wondering about this logic since I was like 10 years old seeing this movie for the first time. Always thought about it. Pool sceners. Please reach out, Catsup Savage on Twitter, K-A-T-S-U-P Savage. Wait, you spelled your name wrong. No. You said K-A-T. 
Oh yeah, C-A-T. you're right. It's C A T S U P. So don't reach out the to the ghost event is still jerking. I with wanted us right to now. be ketchup savage, <laughs> but it's taken by somebody with like three followers who hasn't tweeted in nine years. So C A T S U P Savage on Twitter. You can reach out on, uh, I think I'm Kevin Mars on Instagram. Reach out to Jim. Reach out to the, the podcast page and tell me, Danny wakes up. <laughs> he talks to his mom. She asks him oh, how he wants his eggs brilliant. and whether he wants toast. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good, Good to morning. see you. What kind of eggs do you want? Scrambled. Toast? Yes, thanks. He tells her, scrambled. And then he says no to the toast. And then he goes and brushes his teeth. Immediately after brushing his teeth, he sits down to eat breakfast. How many of you out there brush your teeth the moment you wake up your eye? Like, oh, open up your eyes. You wake up, you open your eyes, you go brush yeah, your teeth. Standard. And then you eat breakfast. Yeah. Now, I'm not a big breakfast person, so I will brush my teeth. And it's not any worry because I don't yeah. eat. Yeah. If you were to brush your teeth and then directly eat eggs, it's just like mind boggling to me. Why wouldn't you go and eat your breakfast, finish your breakfast and then go brush your teeth? And you sure as hell are not going to want to drink orange juice. Yeah, you're going to no, you're going to brush your teeth and then you're going to drink orange juice. <laughs> also, another logic issue in that scene. He said no to the toast. There's fucking toast on his plate. That, that bitch of a mom. I'm going to flip that little table in the uncomfortable kitchen. Smacked her through the toast in her face and yes. said, bitch, where were you? Yeah, Did you I, not listen? I just don't understand. Now, I, I misremembered, and I actually thought that when he woke up, his mom says, like, Danny, wake up. Go brush your teeth and come in here or something. No. He, on his own volition, goes and brushes his teeth. The one weird thing also about that scene is... They do a slow zoom into the fact when Jack calls Danny's mom by her first name. Yeah. And Danny is supposed to be like, There's a couple weird things there because there's there's uh Is Danny Mozart. thinking they had sex? I probably. Uh. But then there's the Mozart. And and maybe Shh. Could you turn this up, please? What's that? Mozart. The guy practice killed? That's right, Jack. You like classical music? I don't know. I think I will. Yeah. And she's playing it, and he goes, hold on, wait a minute, what is that? And Danny says, Mozart. He says, the guy, the practice guy, he said, yeah. <laughs> And she goes, do you like, mo- do you like, is it classical music? Or yeah, do you it's like classical. Mozart? It's classical. But she says, do you like classical music? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> I think I will like classical music. I don't music. know. I think I will. I'm planning on it. I'm planning on liking classical music. <laughs> All right. Enough logic. My head hurts. Oh, this movie, it. I would recommend it. It's much better watched. Oh, it's a high recommend. Just, like, sit back and enjoy it and don't do what we just did. It's Arnold being Arnold. Yeah, don't pick it apart. Just watch it and don't think about the logistics of the ticket or how many million 
alternate universes there are. There's For a every DC movie, multiverse there. Every movie that's ever existed has... On Earth 3, Slater 1 never took off and it bombed. Yeah, so weird. So uh, what is the legacy of this movie? There was a video game. It lost a lot of money. I, I would say that this was the beginning of the end for Arnold, but didn't like True Lies came out after this? True Lies, so did Junior. Yeah, Ugh. so did Junior. But there was... The legacy for it, that for Last Action Hero is, I dressed up as Jack Slater for Halloween at our friend's, our, our friend's band show out at Cedars in Youngstown. Two people recognized me as Jack <laughs> Slater, and I got all my drinks paid for that night. Because people are like, who are you supposed to be? You just decided not to wear an outfit. And I'll never forget one guy go, fucking Jack Slater from Last Action Hero. You'll see the picture. I'll put it on our Instagram and our Facebook page. That's But fantastic. that's the legacy for that. So after this, yeah, True Lies, Junior Eraser, Jingle All the Way, Batman Robin, End of Days, Six Day, Collateral Damage, Terminator 3, and then 100 other Terminators, and so on and so on. But Expendables, those movies, this so this wasn't really the beginning of the end for Arnold. No. It was a little bit of a, a whiff for him and a little bit of a miss. But he still had a very successful career after this. I don't know. It kind of angers me the hate this movie gets. And I think it's totally unjustified. Thankfully, it doesn't have like a 6% or anything. I think when you see like 40, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. like it's, it's in the 40 range. 40 it's rated to 60. a 4.8 out of 10, which yeah, is bullshit. It's, no, it's fun to watch. Um, so, yeah. So that's not a lot for legacy. So I here is a message from Jim. Once again, pool sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at poolscenepodcast at gmail.com any movie ideas we have some amazing movies coming up if there's a movie you want us to cover let us know you're on the journey with us and now back to kevin all right everyone thank you so much for joining us uh we went a little wild with this one we hopefully didn't spoil anything that you didn't want spoiled i think people should know ahead of time yeah. What's going to happen if you've been on the journey with us this far? You know what we're all about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, I want to hear, Jim, I want to hear Big Gun on the way out. Well, I think before I start playing some Big Gun, because actually it's playing right now, it's just a little soft so you can hear us. Next week, we're going to do a little something special, too. We've reached the midpoint of season number two. So we're going to do also a special half hour, 45 minute after hour show. About one thing Kevin and I love more than probably life itself. We talked about it a little bit. For about seven minutes, but this time we're going to go in We're going to go in detail. We're actually going to watch a documentary yes. about the thing we're going to talk about. But you're going to have to wait and see and wait and hear what that is. And uh, yeah, so until then, everyone be safe. Yes. Avoid ghosts. Yeah, what the hell, man? We had a paranormal experience <laughs> that we never expected to have. It was uh, really unique and weird. And uh, yeah, so if you were the ghost, shout out to us on Thank Instagram. Thank you. Maybe he was from one of the Slater movies. Yeah. So everybody, uh, crank up that big gun. Big and gun! We'll see you and hear from you next week. Thank you. Thank you, pool sceners. Bye-bye. <laughs>